0: In Titus 2, older women are commanded to teach what is good so they can help younger women love their husbands and children.
1: On today's show, you'll hear from older women who will share timeless, relevant biblical wisdom and personal, profound life experiences to help answer your questions and teach what God says is good so you can be the wife and mother you were created to be. Welcome to another episode of Older Women Likewise.
0: Hello viewers and welcome. Uh, Before I introduce our special guests tonight, we do have a prayer request. A couple of hours ago, Isla was taken to the ER Um, She's doing better now, thank heaven. I spent some time on my knees this afternoon. um, And she just sent us a message that says, I'm still at the ER. I had an AFib episode, but my heart rate is back to normal. The doctor is still doing tests, but I will probably go home tonight. So she does request the prayers of the audience. We asked her if she wanted to share this and she loves you all and really very much wanted you to know what's going on and really appreciate um you keeping her in your thoughts and prayers uh thank heaven she's okay and tonight i want to welcome tony and christy back to the show tony carlisle christy estes welcome back christy i finally learned how to pronounce your name correctly you're no longer Estes, you're Estes, so <laughs> welcome, welcome back, and ladies doing okay tonight? Doing great. Yes, doing great. we talked about it's hot there in Texas, Yes, so, so hot right now. Yes,
2: yeah. we like the AC. Yes.
0: yes, and meanwhile, in Oregon here, we're mid-60s, so oh, yeah, wow. coming out from every span of weather that could possibly be happening. So (laughs) thank you for joining me in this lively conversation we're about to have have about what it means to judge. We're gonna talk about what Jesus' instructions are on the matter, uh, how the Lord says he wants us to evaluate matters of behavior, and and how God says the wise um, are to respond to correction here. So as we get rolling, it's kind of like our description said, ladies, we hear it all the time, right? don't judge. Are you judging me? He's so judgmental. Who made you the judge of all the things that Jesus taught? One of the most popular uh, verses to both quote and take out of context really is this one in Matthew seven, one uh, do not judge or you too will be judged. Unquote. So what does it even mean to judge? I thought I might start out our conversation with just that definition. And so I, I'll start us out by saying, judging is to figure things out. So, to tell others don't judge is to say, don't do what every person does all day, every day. When you are told don't judge, you are being told don't assess, don't deduce, don't gauge or determine or decide. It's really like don't think. All these are simply synonyms for the word judge. So the truth is you probably average a judgment of some kind, like every few minutes. So don't feel bad because we're going to get to this. Jesus actually commands us to judge. But any other things that you guys think about of like, what does it really mean to judge?
1: Well, I think that a lot of times people and the people when they say don't judge us are meaning when we when we see someone and we see the actions that they're doing and we have a bad feeling about it or we we want to show them contempt or or mm-hmm. um, um, despise what they're doing, maybe like maybe to exalt ourselves or make ourselves feel better in what we're mm-hmm. doing or something like that. Um, but um, I believe in Romans 14, 10, Paul says, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you despise, show contempt, regard contempt for your brother? So I think that's what some people see it as, is that's what we're doing. But um, mm. I do think a lot of people do that, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> we, yeah. just, we just make opinions about people that, uh, you know.
2: You know, as, as non-Christians, I think sometimes it can be about, like you're saying, they feel like they're being judged. It, c- it can be about their attitude, and maybe there's nothing we can do about that. Um, but sometimes it may be about the way that we are presenting it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, um, with Christians, it's it may be a little bit different, we hope, because we're all trying to follow the same standard, which is God's word. Um, and still, when we're speaking, um, you know, with, with Christians, we need to be doing that with a spirit of gentleness, like Galatians 6.1 says. Um, mm-hmm. We need to be looking at those Christians as we want them to get to heaven. We want to get to heaven and we want them to as well. So that's our goal. Um, and then with non-Christians, you know, we're the light of the world. Um, Matthew five fourteen says we're the light of the world, and if we are, if our goal on this earth is to save souls, which Jesus came to save, Luke nineteen ten, and oh, um, He's our example, and that's our that should be our goal. If that's our attitude towards it, then we should be approaching everyone with any kind of judgment or guidance. You know, just trying to help them. With that spirit of gentleness and love,
0: mm-hmm. exactly. And I think as we um, go on with this conversation, we're going to look into that context of when Jesus said, "Do not judge, or you too will be judged." We'll look at that context. But um, it's very interesting that also in John seven twenty four, Jesus also said, "Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with." righteous judgment and I think that's exactly what you've spoken to uh, both of you um, but Tony on your last comments there so like why not judge according to appearance why does Jesus say I mean he tells us to judge but we're to judge with righteous judgment and part of that is not judging according to appearance um, you know how things initially appear before we completely get informed of the context of like someone's words or someone's actions. That kind of judging is rash. So we can't judge according to how things first appear. It's a little bit like Proverbs 18, 17 that says the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. Mm -hmm. And I, I think we've all seen this too on Facebook, haven't we? Or even other places where, maybe some big news story breaks and everyone rushes to vocalize their outrage for the side that they've rashly taken only to maybe be embarrassed later on weeks later when the rest of the story surfaces. So we're not to judge um, according to appearance. Is there any other ways you guys can think of that judging according to appearance? Any other thoughts around that, I guess?
2: Well, I would—I guess I would add that, um, you know, a good example is when Samuel went to select or anoint David as king. Okay, and First um, Samuel sixteen seven says that, um, "Do not look upon the appearance or the height of, or his stature, um, because I have rejected him. For the Lord does not see as man sees." Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And we cannot see people's hearts. Um, and we we may make snap judgments on maybe how they're dressed. Or unfortunately, sometimes people make judgments on the color of, of their skin, maybe where they're from. Where do they live? I mean, you know, you think of things like, oh, you're from Texas. you're You must be really prideful. Oh, you're from California. You must be, you know. Right. Really, I don't know, nutty, or you know, or you're from Oregon, you know, people are like, Oh, you're a tree hugger. I mean, those are just <laughs> right. I mean, are you yeah. right a horse? You must have horses. You're from Texas. Yeah. So yeah. People make judgments about people all the time, and they're just stereotypes. And I think we have to be very careful with that. Mm-hmm.
0: So what are some other qualities? that will make our like we have to make judgments so what are some qualities that will make our necessary judgments completely righteous because he said judge with righteous judgment so we've noted first of all you don't judge according to appearance but how do you judge with righteous judgment like what are some elements that make our judgments righteous you guys have thoughts on this one yeah.
1: The first thing I would think is that we have to have the right motive and why we're even making a judgment in the first place, because it's not our place to judge people. You know, who are we? God is the the, the lawgiver; He's the one who, who set the standard. So who are we to just put our feelings on someone else? But I think along with that, we must have that agape love. Like Tony was talking about earlier, we have to truly love that person, want the best for that person. And it's not that we're just always trying to find fault in someone or or, you know, it's quite the contrary. We're trying to all get to heaven and we're trying to help each other get there. And so as long as we have that, the right motive and that compassion and gentleness that she talked about, I think mm-hmm. that helps in this judging, you know, not just by appearances, but the reason we're judging or reason seeing something in someone is because we love them.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. You know, one thing I was thinking about um, and I just got finished teaching our little second and third graders about Moses. Okay. And you guys probably remember the point where they were, so they had just crossed the Red Sea um, and they were on their way to Mount Sinai and um, Moses was spending his, all of his time judging the people between mm. right and wrong. They were coming to him all day long. And his father-in-law Jethro said to him, you know, you can't, you can't continue in this way. Um, you're going to be exhausted. And so this is what he said to him in Exodus um, 18, 21. He said, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe. So he told him to look for capable people, those who fear and respect God, those who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, um, really p- men with discernment. And if you look at like Hebrews 5:14. Um, where it talks about um, having solid food, we become mature. So talking about God's word. Um, and then we're able by constant practice to distinguish between good and evil. So I think it's really important. Um, and, and that's one reason why I love this program. I've learned so much from all the other speakers. Um, from God's word, we learn that discernment and I think that that's really important when we're thinking about this topic of judging, because I think as we mature spiritually, we can be very young or very old in physical age, but as, cause I know some young people who are very spiritually mature, right? Yeah. Older people who are not. So I think that as we mature, we get better at handling this in a godly way. I don't know if that, does that make sense?
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, as we age, it's an opportunity if you're in the word for sure. Yeah, that God is going to show you what his standards are on certain things. And so and there's also a humility that comes with age that um, as we have righted all of our wrongs, we learn how we would want to be treated in those situations so that we can help people with more mercy. So I definitely understand uh, what you're saying on that.
1: You know, Cindy, one of the things I think to a quality that we might need to have is patience and that we're not going to just jump at the very first thing we see. I think the Hallmark Channel has taught us a lot on this because how many times are we watching a movie and we're so happy with the couple? And the next thing we know, they show the guy and he's with some girl and they're happy and laughing and we're so mad. right? We're so angry. And then we find out, oh, that's his sister. So, you know, yeah. we need to gather all the information instead of just being so quick to judge. I think that's in our society, we want to do that so often. And we need to be gracious and impatient and, and and it goes back to that motive again. And, you know, I also think that one of the things that we need to do is have that desire for holiness and yeah to also judge ourselves, right? We're told that we are to examine ourselves in 2 Corinthians 13, Mm -hmm. 15 to see if we're in the faith. And so, um, you know, the verse that we, we talk about a lot where Jesus says, don't judge, you know, you've got this plank in your eye, but you're calling out your brother. We need to be sure that we're, we're also looking at ourselves because ultimately that's who we can control.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Your um, point from Matthew seven, one, when Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. We know for sure that it's not that God is forbidding all kinds of judging in all contexts. Like we could not even have a judicial system (laughs) if you couldn't, like if there was no situation where you can judge. Right. Um, but yeah, you're bringing up that context, Christy, where he says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? When all the time there's a plank in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye. And then, now listen to this part then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye unquote so we we're still charged here with helping each other remove the specks from our eyes you could say um it's like we have blind spots without that have you guys i know you've had stuff in your eye from time to time (laughs) like If someone is reaching out, it's like you got something in your eye and you can't you like you can't do another thing. Right. When you have something in your eye, it's like everything stops and it's really irritating. And if somebody comes up to you, you know, in mercy and they're trying to help you find it so that, you know, like we're never going to be like, stop judging me. We're going to be like, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Get it out. Get it out. Right. So I think that kind of speaks to how we're how we are to react to these situations but um any other thoughts on this um making judgments and not doing the things that you're telling other people they need to change i mean isn't that the context that's why these two passages don't contradict each other um Because Matthew 7 1 is talking about don't judge people when you're doing the very thing you're trying to correct in them. Whereas he can say judge with righteous judgment because he knows we're going to need to do that all day, every day. Yeah.
2: So, um, you know, Jesus is not commending, condemning all judgment here. Right, right? Right. He's just condemning a certain type of judgment. Yeah. He's condemning those who might be overly critical or maybe even about something insignificant or uh-huh. those who um, just are so quick to point out the faults of others. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, like both of you said earlier, we, we have to make decisions and judgments every day. This is just mm-hmm. condemning those people who might be hypercritical.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: and as far as context, I kind of, I kind of looked and backed up into um like chapter six, and, you know, as we all know, this is, um, this is Sermon on the Mount stuff, right? Which right. I love, but if you look back up into like the very end of six, um, let's see, um, like Matthew six nineteen, it says, do not lay up treasures for yourself on earth. Um, and so it's talking about, you know, let's have our heavenly treasures and then when you go, when you go on down to 622 and 623 it's talking about if your eye is good then your whole body will be full of light if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness so if you have that good eye if we can call it that then you're going to have a view towards a heavenly view towards heaven if you have that bad eye then you're going to go on like it says in verse 24 um and 25 you're going to be more concerned about earthly things wealth maybe worries in life um and then going on into 7 i think that it's just it's just saying you know if you have that good eye that view of heaven
1: mm-hmm. then
2: you're not going to have this hypercritical view you're going to be able to view people um hopefully with some kind of gentle measure of judgment, you know, yeah. and it does say there. And I, is it seven six where it says we're going to be measured? However, we're we measure, we're going to be measured the same. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's an uh, admonition for us to to make sure that we do have that good eye view. Mm-hmm.
0: And it's all about knowing that what God's standards are, right? That we should not expect more of people than God expects of people. You know, it's not our position to bind more than God has bound or excuse people that God has said are in trouble spiritually. That's not love. Right. So, yeah, it's, it is about removing our own preferences and biases and only expecting of people what god expects of them um those are really the only things that matter right
2: yeah yeah
0: um anything else christy you have at this point or anything to add in in galatians 6 1 and 2 it
1: says the spiritual are those who are to restore those who are in sin so that's what jesus is saying that we need to get ourselves spiritual take that log out of our own eye and then we can judge properly and and we, like you said, we need that knowledge because it's God's standard that we need to be using not what's in our heart, what we think.
0: Uh-huh. Right. So in Matthew 7, 1 through 6, there's another context there. It's interesting that right before um, the Do Not Judge verse, it says, Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls uh, to pigs. If you do, they may trample them underfoot and then turn and tear you to pieces. And there was a quote I found Ben Ras puts it uh, had some thoughts on this that really kind of put it all together for me. He says, quote, verse six calls on us to make judgments. How are we to know whether we are giving dogs what is sacred or throwing pearls before pigs? Unless we have judged a what constitutes something sacred and b what constitutes the dogs and pigs described in this verse? This verse is clearly symbolic. It is not about literal dogs or pigs, it's metaphorical language refers to those who will not respect things that are sacred. In order to know who fits this bill, we must make a judgment. The context of this passage clearly indicates that we are not forbidden from passing judgment. Indeed, we are required in this passage to make judgments, unquote. So I mean, like right on the heels of what Jesus had said is a command to make a certain kind of judgment so that that helps context always helps doesn't it ladies it always makes clear what we're talking about so my next question is is it even possible to go through life without making any judgments maybe we've talked about this um (laughs) obviously no so i think we've covered that but how about this part what would be the end result as individuals and as a nation, if all judging was actually forbidden, like as some people claim that it is. Well,
2: go ahead, Kristen.
1: Well, I just think at the time of the judges, right, everybody did what was right in their own oh. eyes. And not very angry, disappointed with the people in that choice. And it was just chaos. I think that's what we have is chaos because everybody would think, whatever they're doing is correct and everybody else is wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That is a good book for starters. (laughs) (laughs) And
2: and God knew this, right? He knew that it would be chaos or else he wouldn't have left us with this book for us to follow. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. given us his word to follow. He ordained the institution of government and civil laws. And we can read about that in Romans 13, one through six. I mean, even in the old a testament under, under the mosaical law. I mean, they had, I mean, everyone's familiar with the 10 commandments, but there's a whole lot of laws besides that, Exodus 20 and forward that you can, I mean, they had civil laws, they had laws about food and about sanitation, and God knew that people needed this guidance, or it would be chaos.
0: Absolutely. Like, if all judging in all contexts were forbidden, we wouldn't even have, like you said, a legal or uh, judicial system. And if your child was being bullied, um, or if your husband is cheating or somebody just mugged you, like the only response would be a friendly smile. Like that's if there was no judging, as you know, and that's ridiculous. Of course, we need judging. I mean, not only that, but it's like um it's really is kind of all about moral relativity and i mean if there is no if you can't judge something to be immoral um hit hitler is the moral equivalent of whoever has lived the most selfless servant like sacrificial life of all but the truth is there are um there is a moral standard an objective moral standard of good and evil and God will be the judge uh, in the end and will judge our lives according to how much we have, you know, acknowledged his rule as Lord and King. So any other thoughts on this one? You know, Go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, I read a, I read a quote somewhere that said that, um, Righteous judgment that involves being sensitive to sin first in ourselves and then in our brother or sister, and then doing all we can to help them out of that sin is the clearest, most Christ-like description of love. And if you look at James 5, 19 through 20, that's mm-hmm. where it says, brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that um, he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So I don't remember which one of you mentioned it, but you mentioned, you know, loving someone is help is saving their soul. And that's the most Christ-like form of love.
0: Yes, love that. I think that's probably one of the key points of this program. Yeah, that this is an act of love. And for that reason, we really need to think about, and I think you guys have made this point beautifully as well, what is our attitude when we're approaching people? Are we being humble? Are we treating others the way we want to be treated when we are called to correct someone for their own good? Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. Well,
1: and, you know, even Paul
0: said he judged
1: in first Corinthians five. If you look at mm-hmm. verse uh Three and four, he says, for I on my part, though absent in body, but present in spirit have already judged him who has mm-hmm. been committed, who has committed this as if I were present. So he saw mm-hmm. this man who was living in this horribly sexual immoral world that he had created. And, and Paul says, I have judged him. So that's, that's what he's done there. And why did he do this? Because the man was in sin, he was claiming to be a brother. And so he goes on later. And he says to them in verse 12, do you not judge us who are in the church? God's going to judge those who are without, but we are to keep the church pure. And so that's why he had judged this man because he was sinful and the church there was tolerating the sin. So we need to, that goes back to that holiness thing that I brought up earlier. We need to make ourselves holy, pure, set apart and, and, and judge righteously. We're called to do
0: that. Yes. Yes. And when we are judging righteously, um, who's really doing the judging <laughs> when we repeat what the judge of our souls has said on any matter, who is actually doing the judging? It's God, right? Yeah. God definitely. is the one, um, that has already made those judgments. So much of what people call judgments are like when they feel judged. I mean, things like sex outside of marriage or profanity or drunkenness or, vul- or vulgarity, etc. Have all already been made by God. Um, those judgments have already been made by God as to what is good and evil. <laughs> and so we have every one of those judgments of God in writing from God. So when God's people repeat what the judge has said, they are not judging. Mm-hmm. They are merely and mercifully letting you know you've essentially got a boulder about to fall on your head, only worse, you know. So like you guys said, that's an act of love to be to, It's the ultimate act of love to warn someone about that, what the judge has already said. So we are not being judgmental if we tell, you know, someone's living, maybe our friend is living with her boyfriend and we say, you know, here's what God says on that. Topic We're not being judgmental, we're telling them what the judge has already said. He's, he's already said what the penalty is for that as well. And so, really, those who are kind hearted enough to risk being verbally attacked for trying to lend a hand um, are essentially saying, I'm only telling you what the judge has already said. Behavior has already been judged and the sentence has been given. I care about you, so I'm trying to spare you that punishment any any thoughts on along those lines yeah this judgment that kind
1: of judgment we're not going to take delight in that we're not going to be it's not going to make us feel better about ourselves when we do that kind of judgment which is different than when we are just judging others flippantly Mm -hmm. or well i think they should do that this is righteous judgment this is judgment that matters because um it comes from god like you said and so we won't take delight in that in fact it's painful sometimes and, and and you could get persecuted for it. But but our goal is to help them get back on the right path, because as you said, it's already been judged. We're just bringing it to
0: their attention. It's one of my least favorite things to have to do. And I, don't, I think I'm not alone in that. Most of the people I know, it is not something they look forward to to have to correct someone. And it really does take a lot of love to be willing to take that risk of being attacked. You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, it really does take a lot of love because it's so much easier to turn a blind eye, so mm-hmm. much easier. Like, oh, I'm just going to mind my own business,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, because I don't need any more drama in my life. <laughs> um, but the thing is, when we stand firm on every single thing that the Supreme Judge has said, is the truth and what the Supreme judge says is the consequences of disregarding truth. Our stand is for the long-term good of all. Like that it helps everyone. Because the thing is, you're kind of like keeping the light on for them. It's like, if you ever, if all of us bailed on truth just to make everyone feel supported, what happens when the light, when it dawns on people like, oh, I have made a wrong turn. You know, we're there leaving the light on for them. It's like this is the way back home. You know, and then just being ready and having hearts open to people that come to realizations like, "Oh, you are a hundred percent forgiven, clean slate." You know, this is in your past. You know, and just total restoration to them. So that's that's, I believe, what God um, expects of us in this area. Um, I think I got one more question, ladies, but anything else before I move on to our last question here we were going to talk about?
2: Well, I was thinking when you guys were both talking about this, about it. And Christy, I loved what you said about we do not take delight in this. Um, and then, Cindy, you said it's so hard and it is. It's so hard. And um, so I was looking at a passage in Second Corinthians 13, one through 10. And um, it's Paul in in, in verse one, he said, I think this, I, I like this passage because I think we can learn some things about how to approach people. Um, he says in the first line, uh, first verse there, this is the third time I'm coming to you. And then in verse two, he says, I warned those who sinned before and all the others, and I warn them now while I am absent. And he's, he's saying, I, I need a face to face with you. Hmm. You know, the letters just aren't cutting at this point. And so I think that we can learn a lot from that. And I, I have really, no one likes to do that. No one likes to try to go talk to someone face-to-face. And I think in our society, we're so digital that it's yeah. easier for us to send a text or an email or something like that. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe sometimes those things are appropriate, but many times you're going to have better luck. If that person can see your eyes and hear your voice, Mm -hmm. hear the gentleness in your voice, Um, Mm -hmm. because, you know, if you send a text or an email and you say it one way in your head, like you hear it one way, but they're in a bad mood, like they've had a really bad day Mm -hmm. and they read it and they read it from that perspective, then they Mm -hmm. feel attacked. Mm -hmm. And so I, when you need to talk to someone about serious something serious i've always found that it's better to try to talk in person or over the phone so that they can actually hear you Mm -hmm. and then i guess um, a couple more things i got from these passages if you go down to verse five um and christy you brought up a verse that says the same thing earlier about examining yourselves um test yourselves so Mm -hmm if you can get the person to see for themselves, I mean, if we're just beating them over the head, you know, with scripture or just talking at them, sometimes it doesn't work. If we can get them to see it for themselves, that's where you're going to make the biggest difference. Um, And then Paul goes on to say in verse seven, you know, we pray to God that, that you may not be wrong. Like, it's like Christy was saying, Paul's not taking delight in this. It's He doesn't like it at all. And he's sincerely wanting the best for their souls. And I just really like this passage of scripture on, on how to maybe help us to do this better. Oh, I love that.
0: I love that. Great how-tos, definitely. One thing that really stuck with me kind of going along with what you're saying is when Allison Graham on our program, we had, uh, I can't remember what the topic was about, but I love how she said she opens, sometimes she opens a conversation that's very difficult like that with, are you okay? Like, I've been concerned. Mm-hmm. Are you okay? Because they may already be convicted more than we realize, you know, already about whatever. And then if they feel like they're okay, maybe then at that point saying what your concerns are in relation to what God has said, you know. Um, but anything else, Christy, you want to respond to anything that Tony said? Or to
1: no, me? I just think too, that if we, if we try to help sooner than later, that's usually better yeah. as well, yes. just balloon into something so much larger that that heart just becomes so callous that they just don't even care sometimes. And it's so much harder and, um, so important, but so hard. This is one of the hardest things for me. y'all. <laughs> it's so hard to do this.
2: It is.
0: Very, very difficult. Um, A lot of the most meaningful things that we do are some of the most difficult things that we do, Mm -hmm. though. So, wow, I love the practicality that you guys are bringing out here, because I think this is going to be really, really helpful for people. So my last question was, when someone corrects us, how does God say a wise person should respond? What were your thoughts on that question?
2: (laughs) Well, I have a proverb that I think is pretty funny and shows shows that God does have a sense of humor. It's just straight up, straight talk. All right. Proverbs 12.1 says, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid.
0: Yes. <laughs> that used to be the S word in our house. when Yeah, we, yeah. we
2: don't say that. We don't but, say yeah. that word, right? Yeah. But that's what the scripture says. It's pretty strong.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you, if you don't want God to see you as stupid, love the correction. Um, yeah. Cause the people that are willing to be inconvenienced enough to tell you what you need to hear are the ones really that love you the best. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe on another practical level, sometimes someone comes and corrects you and let's say about like a lot of what they're saying, you know, for certainty, not to be spot on, but there's 10% that is. Thank them and apply that 10%. Like if there's, if there's an element of what they're saying, even that, you know, like that is gold, you know, that is useful there. It takes people courage, you know, to tell you what they think you need to hear according to God's word. Wow. Thank you for loving me that much. Right.
1: It's a lot of courage. And I think it's all about humility, right? We need to understand that we're not perfect and we can fall. Um, Proverbs 15, 31 through 33 says, The ear that hears the rebukes of life will abide among the wise. He who disdains instruction despises his own soul. But he who heeds rebuke gets understanding. The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. So we have to all remember, we're just trying to get to heaven and we're, yeah. that, that's our goal. And so I'm going to step aside sometimes and I need someone to tell me, hey, that wasn't great. And, and next time it might be you. And I tell you, hey, we're, we're in it together and, and yes. um, we just need to yes. keep, keep on the goal. And if someone points it out that we're off, we need to repent and get back on track instead of just thinking we're above it
0: right and if you're if that comes from a person that you have spent a lot of time with and you've built rapport with and you know you've had a really positive relationship with and they're saying something wow they this must be something i need to hear and i at least i know where they're coming from you know they must be telling me this because they love me because all of our other interactions have been expressions of their affection. So this must be coming from that same heart. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think about before a doctor can administer a cure for your disease, like you and a doctor both have to acknowledge a sickness. <laughs> um, but when that prescription saves your life, you owe that doctor like profound gratitude. And so how much more the person who's attempting to snatch you from eternal fires so that you can instead um, experience Mm -hmm. eternal pleasure that needs a lot of gratitude needs to be going our from us to them on that. So that's about all I have for tonight, ladies. Is there anything else that um, was in your notes that you wanted to share that we just get to before I conclude our program? I think
2: I was just going to say. One more thing about, um, the people, when someone's coming to you and speaking with you, um, and how, you know, how you respond, I think, I think Mm -hmm. that's one reason why it's so important to have godly people, women, friends, sisters in your life that you trust and who know you well, um, Christine, and I talk about iron, the proverbs "iron sharpens iron" a lot, and we're thankful that we have that in each other um, because that's important to have those kind of friends that love you enough um, that can tell you lovingly if you're if you're off.
0: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Wow, you guys had great, great things to add to this conversation tonight. I am blown away by the practicality of. Um, what you've said. And I just, again, I really think it's going to be useful, very useful uh, for our viewers. And so thank you for your volunteering to do this tonight. And I'd like to conclude with these few ideas here. I think we just really need to admit what's really going on here when it comes to judging in our culture. Satan wants a world where it is a social faux pas to call a spade a spade. Because if it's wrong to say that someone is doing something wrong, fewer people's sins get diagnosed, so to speak. Therefore, fewer people's sins are cured through humble, a humble, repentant return to God. And if you and I enjoy social popularity and a reputation for being politically trendy as a reward for not telling someone that God says they are as you and I once were, a life's breath away from eternal destruction how is that love how is that being an ally let's instead be a real ally rather than just appear to be one for our own social advantages let's love people too much to withhold from them the cure for sin Uh, come what may you know we may be called this or that come what may if it means an opportunity for a precious soul to be rescued eternally. So that is all that I have on this topic. And so I'll close then with an invitation for our viewers to check out the live program called Answering Religious Error on Tuesday evenings at 8 p.m. Eastern. There, a panel of preachers are presenting um, are presently discussing various ways to keep your head on straight. And they also have a weekly panel that offers to answer any of your Bible questions. And so that Q&A is on Wednesdays at noon Eastern time, right here on Facebook. You can find it also on YouTube. And so thanks for joining us, audience, and good night. Thank you. Thank you. Good night.